This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duff Lewin. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 12, Episode 4, Legacy Numbering 291. This is your host, Ian, and with me I have... This is Steph. And this is Scott. Today we have a lot of stuff to get through, so we'll start with a bit of news. Uh, 5G, or 5th generation, has finally started uh, appearing with the Generation Zero being the Free Comic Book Day special, and then... uh, Generation 1 coming out in May. Uh, These are a series of one-shots, presumably five of them. Well, no, four of them and then the fifth event um, leading into what we think is probably some kind of event, whether it's a couple months or six months or something where it jumps into the future. Uh, That's generally what we think we're going to have. Rumors have it that Alfred, who is currently dead, is probably going to have a big part in five generation or is going to have big effects in five fifth generation. Luke Fox is probably going to be Batman. Um, Superboy, uh, John Kent is probably going to be Superman. And we'll have to wait to find out more about that. Um, the, the John Superboy without Damien as Batman. Oh, that will be sad. Because they were supposed to be Batman and Superman in the future. Well, that was actually supposed to be Connor, who was supposed to be Superman and Damien Batman in the no. pre-Flashpoint. No, 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 I don't care about that. I care about John Kent and I Damien. I care about Connor but... Kent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think, I think that it's... I'm not big It'll on events. It'll be a new dynamic. It's, it'll be very interesting. Unfortunately, so far, it still doesn't excite me, but I'm also, I, it, it doesn't make me worried or upset. Like, I'm not feeling like the sky is falling, um, which is what it seems like a lot of reactions are. Uh, but I will say, it's definitely not getting me excited, which is not good at this point. They should be getting me excited for events. Uh, Scott, do you have any thoughts on 5G? Not really. It's kind of, it's just a waiting game for me. You know, I'm just, don't have any thoughts either way, positive or negative. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, that's kind of my thought too. I mean, that's what I mean when I say not really excited. Um, next piece of news is Joker War has finally been officially solicited in the May solicitations. Uh, Batman number 95, I believe, is going to kick it off directly. We're also having pieces in the Joker 
uh, 80th anniversary special that I think will probably tie into that. At least the James Tynan piece will probably be part of that, which uh, gives Punchline uh, Joker's new girlfriend slash henchwoman sidekick. Um, we have tie-in issues with Batgirl and Nightwing Solicitor, which is exciting because it looks like we are indeed getting some line-wide cohesion, even if it is for an event that I don't care at all about because I don't like the Joker. Uh, but I know, I, I say that, but I I know that Joker sells really well because people love him. People are really excited about him. The Joker movie made a billion dollars. So this is a smart move by DC. Um, and I think it's a really smart move to start tying the Bat family together. Uh, the rumors are that Dick will return at some point during the Joker War or as part of the Joker War, perhaps in the Nightwing annual that's supposed to hit the last week of April, uh, which would make sense. Um, so do we have any thoughts on Joker War so far? No. <laughs> Cohesion is nice. Dick being back is nice. Joker is not nice. Yeah, I don't know. It feels kind of familiar, like we've been here recently with this whole... Well, don't go too far down that road, because that's a discussion question for Batman. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's why I stopped it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that's a good point. I, I think that I'm curious to see if this draws more people who are jumping on because of the Joker stuff or if it just maintains the, the current level of Batman buyers. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because this is supposed to be the lead up to Batman 100. I don't know what they're supposed to do with Batman 100. Uh, I think if the schedule continues, we'll probably see Batman 100 around September, which is maybe when they're going to launch 5G, but we're also having the... Um, the death metal um, event that's going on over the summer. So there, there's a lot of strange stuff that I, I just can't predict. And even though we're having more cohesion in the bat line, the Batman, the, the entire DC universe is still really chaotic. So I just don't know what to expect or think really. Uh, Low expectations, no disappointments. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Except that I always have expectations when it comes to Batman. Even if oh. I, I'm supposed to have low expectations, I want Batman <laughs> to be good. Um, one other thing that uh, I wrote for the site this week was uh, an article comparing the different covers for the Robin special um, to historical covers of Robin comics, of course. But because Robin didn't have a title before the early 1990s, I had to go find where they got the cover fonts and the logos and the, the different pieces that they put on the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s covers because they weren't mimicking uh, a Robin title directly. So that was really ah. fun. And I'm almost certainly going to do the same thing for Catwoman and Joker, um, which will be interesting because Catwoman has had more titles, but again, probably not till the 90s. So the earlier decades, I'm going to have to find out where they got those pieces. And Joker, of course, has only had one ongoing ever. And I, actually, I'm not even sure if that was an ongoing or a miniseries. It was by Denny O'Neill in the 70s, I believe. But uh, if you like uh, graphic design history type stuff, uh, go ahead and check that out. Give me comments on what I can do better for the next few articles, because this will definitely continue. Um, it was a fun read, too. I really enjoyed reading it. Oh, good. Um, I, 
I just was really excited. It's one of the things I have been very excited about DC Comics right now. So I wanted to put that product, that excitement into productivity and make an article. <laughs> um, and Scott helped me a lot with the editing and making sure it got uh, put up on the site correctly. And in slight, you know, small, not very important news, Dan Didio was fired on Friday. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Let's get some... <laughs> we, there, there still isn't enough information for us to really say a whole lot, but let's get some quick reactions before we move to reviews. Well, it, it's easy, it's easy to blame Mr. Didio for a lot of things that we don't like and and... Hopefully a lot of them are true because that way they'll maybe someone will come on board to undo some of the stuff. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to, which looks like it might have been in the works anyway, but is Dick coming back. But it is nice knowing maybe someone is in charge who doesn't hate Nightwing. We don't know, I guess, who's replacing him yet, right? So it's hard to, to say that yet. But But yes, I hope Dick comes back and has more to do in the Bat family than just have amnesia. <laughs> that's about it <laughs> for me right now that Alfred guy he sure was something special <laughs> did he yeah. did, 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 did you hate Alfred too I don't know I just remember the Dick Grayson line when he's remembering Alfred I don't think Didio <laughs> hates Alfred in the same way that he clearly hates at least Nightwing um, I would add a lot of characters to that list but people get really cranky when I say them um, <laughs> I do think that um, Didio had a hand in keeping Alfred dead because it was Tom King has said clearly in his interviews that he planned to bring Alfred back at the end of his run. He didn't intend to leave oh. Alfred dead. And Didio, according to the rumors that I am hearing, wants Alfred's death to be important for 5G. So... Mm. um that could be because they want to bring Alfred back in 5G, which would be fine, but it is very frustrating at this time to ha to not have Alfred. Um, I'm trying to be patient, but it's difficult when a lot of the stuff they're choosing to do just makes being patient not fun. Uh, <laughs> it's not enjoyable to read comics while being patient sometimes. And I was willing to, to wait during Tom King. Because, you know, Tom King did a lot of stuff to Batman that was very sad. Um, I love Tom King's run, but I, I don't want to deny that Batman was a very sad Batman for, mm -hmm. for a good, uh, let's see. Long time. 50 to 77, uh, 27 issues. That's a good year of comics where Batman was very sad. Um, and I, there was enough in Batman that I really enjoyed at that time. But I could understand if you weren't enjoying it, it would be really rough to go through that entire year, twice a month of comics that you just weren't enjoying. So right now, the Bat family feels similar to that for me. So I, I do understand what people are saying when they talk about that. Scott, uh, do you have... I forget. Did you already talk about your thoughts on mm -hmm. DDO leaving? Not, not really. And I don't really have too many thoughts on it i kind of it's another like we'll wait and see what happens mm -hmm. kind of thing like i understand um a lot of the dislike of the things he did you know and when it i guess when it comes to these changes or things they implemented you know it felt like like even with the death of alfred and going as far back as the uh 
wedding that never was, you know, event, I guess. I don't know. I guess I don't have any excitement or enthusiasm for what mm. may come because I feel like after these things were kind of held in front of us, like a, like a carrot or a, a tease, you know, there was, wasn't much follow-up or follow through to get excited about. It didn't feel like there was much of a plan, you know? And so like, I guess supposedly Alfred's going to be important, but we haven't really seen that yet we've had you know like an annual and a one shot that kind of like went for the emotions but there's nothing that really i don't know there's no momentum i guess what it comes down to for me to read to really get excited and to me i think that's my biggest takeaway right now is the the few things that we do know are that a bunch of editors left dc in the last year and a lot of people are citing the the absolute chaos that is DC's planning right now. They keep releasing interviews and um, hints and teases and leaks that indicate that things are constantly changing in their plans for Death Metal and uh, 5G and Joker War. Things are just not stable. People are having to change their their plans all the time. Um, and that that chaos makes it very difficult for me as a reader to really get on board because things that I might like may get disappeared because there's too much chaos and no one can follow it up. Or things that I don't like might, you know, become the main thing as they have many times in the past. Um, so to me, just because of my personal history with watching what DDO has done to the company, I am glad that he has moved on. I wish him no ill will personally. I think that he has been a very hard worker. I just think that a lot of his hard work has been destructive to the stuff I care about at DC Comics. So um, I wish him the best in his next endeavors, but I, I hope to see better things from DC Comics in the coming. We, we won't see it for like six months, but once yeah. those new things start happening, I hope to see things that I'm more excited about. Just no Scott Snyder, please. Uh, what if that is the plan? <gasps> Snyder's not Scott a manager. Scott Snyder in charge of everything. Scott <laughs> Snyder. Scott Snyder wouldn't do it. He doesn't like being a manager. He doesn't like telling people what to do, and he doesn't like criticism. He he could not. <laughs> he, he does not have the. I will say this for Didio. Didio was not very thin-skinned. He he was very thick-skinned. He could take a lot of heat and and pressure. Um. And he did it relatively gracefully. I mean, within his personality, which I thought was abrasive. But, you know, you need that when you're sort of the lightning rod for fan discontent. I'm sure, yeah. Scott Snyder could not do that. He, he would be very upset. Um, he's got a brand new baby who's had um, a lot of life changes in the last two years. I don't wish that on him. I don't think he could do it well. And I think he'd be miserable. So I, I, I think there's zero chance that Scott Snyder will be the next co-publisher. Um, and that's quite apart from my own theory that Scott Snyder's on his way out. He wants to leave. <laughs> um, all right. So with all that uh, small, uh, not very important <laughs> news, let's move on to our review section uh, with Batman number 89. Okay. Batman 89, written by James Tynan, art by Guillaume March and Carlo Pagalian. At Gotham City Mercy Hospital, two staff members discuss the massive Wayne-funded reconstruction of Gotham City. 
as they're lamenting the reshaping of Gotham without the input of Gotham's citizenry, the Penguin stumbles into the hospital, bleeding from the neck. As Penguin falls to the floor, the medical staff scramble to prep him for surgery. Elsewhere in Gotham, Batman grapples onto Gunsmith's motorcycle and takes the assassin down. Once neutralized, Batman tells Lucius Fox that he's unfortunately playing into the designer's plan. Bruce asks Lucius, Lucius to find Selina since she was one of the original conspirators who knew of this plan. Batman then tells Lucius he's going to track down the Riddler. At Potter's Field, Harley and Catwoman take down the designer's goons. During the fight, Harley reveals that the body in the coffin is Artie, a former, a former henchman of the Joker. She also assures Catwoman that this isn't the work of the Joker. It's not his style, and he's most likely hiding until his own machinations are finally ready to be unveiled. Prior to winding up at Potter's Field, Harley had been following clues to the Joker's whereabouts, which led her here. She has decided that she's finally going to kill him at her next opportunity. During Catwoman and Harley's conversation, Merlin and Cheshire show up to murder Selina. While the four fight it out, a mysterious onlooker watches from afar. It's Punchline, the recently teased new henchwoman of the Joker. At Riddler's hideout, Batman takes down Mr. Teeth. Unfortunately, the Riddler isn't around, which arouses Batman's suspicions. After checking the security feed, Bruce sees Riddler conversing with a bizarrely dressed villain in a white mask with a red D on it. This must be the designer. Batman notes that in the video feed, Riddler is making secretive hand signals. It's a clue that alludes to the Sphinx when answered on an alphanumeric keypad. Batman answers the riddle and then connects Nigma's computer network with the Bat computer. Riddler has a tracer running on Deathstroke. Batman then tells Lucius to deploy the fleet of Bat Spawn, another new gadget to the series. At Tri-Corner Yards, a swarm of Bat drones fly to the skies and track down Deathstroke. Back at Riddler's compound, Selene and Harley show up with an incapacitated Merlin Cheshire. Harley tells Batman that Joker has a, quote, whole Joker thing cooking, unquote. Batman then asks to talk to Selene in private, and she promises to tell Batman everything after apologizing. In an epilogue, Punchline informs Joker over the phone that Catwoman and Harley found Artie's grave, but Batman's attention is pointed elsewhere at the moment. Oh, well, that's okay, my dear, Joker says. There are a few people I need to talk to first, before the big game starts. Behind Joker are photos of the Bat family with all their secret identities revealed. Jason Todd, Richard Grayson, Damian Wayne, Timothy Drake, and Barbara Gordon are all listed on the board. All right. So let's start with the biggest question on everyone's mind. The designer's outfit, hot or not? (laughs) He's definitely not a fashion designer as I had hoped he would be. Yeah. Golly. He must be so warm. It's also just such an ugly costume. I am not <laughs> into it. Like he's got, what's he got? Look, look, he's got medals, like military medals. He's got like some kind of ceremonial Indian beads or something. He's got fur. He's got camo pants. He's got like, what are they called? Like musketeer boots. It's like he went to a museum and just picked random things, and that is now his outfit. So that's not a lady. A lady wouldn't dress like that. <laughs> Have you seen Lady Gaga? <laughs> Maybe that's what. And they got fashion design from, from Bjork and Lady Gaga. I don't but, know. It's a, 
That mask, yeah, though. Like the-, the mask helped me know who it was, though. I was like, oh, who's this? It can't be the designer. His outfit is terrible. And then I saw the big D on his face. I said, ah, no, that is the designer. He's got a big D on his face. <laughs> Uh, that's it. That's all I have to say. That's the ni- those are the nicest things I could think of to say about the designer's outfit. <laughs> I mean, I like the cape, but I was about to uh, say I just realized. Oh, and he, but he does have a cool cape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the cape, but I feel like his pants and that furry mane thing he has going on remind me of Craven the Hunter. So I don't know. It's. It was not what I was expecting. I guess I was expecting something a little more fashion forward or maybe something from like the derelict campaign from. (laughs) I was expecting something more like the architect from gates of Gotham and Batman eternal. Um, I thought that was a really cool steampunky look. This is just, uh, oh, he's got a tie. It's all he's got like a. <laughs> it's deliberately like clashing a... with itself, and I am not uh, a fan of that. And it also and reminds it... me a lot of um, the first victim from the Victim Syndicate, who is also uh, not a favorite design of mine. Um, wasn't weren't they like half naked though? Like this, the first thought when I said all this was, my goodness, do you know how long it's going to take this person to get dressed in the morning? Like they are fully committed to this outfit. <laughs> This is a lot of effort. I don't even know what that green coverlet is over the whole thing. Like, I don't even know what that is. I I think that's really the thing is when you look at it, you say, I don't know. (laughs) There's just so much (laughs) I don't know when you look at that. Maybe that's his big thing is you look at him and you're so confused. That's how he gets you. And then he just like punches you in the face or whatever. While clever, I don't think it actually works, but we'll see. <laughs> he must he must be pretty like warm in there too, because Riddler's naked, like on the panel he revealed. So I'm assuming it's like, pretty hot in there. So I don't think it's hot. I think Riddler's just on speed. <laughs> but still, that's a he's he probably is warm. Like there's no way he's not too warm. He's got so many layers on. It's just stupid. All right, so I think our collective uh, response is not. <laughs> um, <laughs> or extra hot, <laughs> because it's so warm. <laughs> Literally hot, but not uh, Literally fashion not, hot. Not fashion um, hot. What do you think of the two artists we get to see? We have Guillaume March, who's been doing the last two issues, and Carlo Pagulian, who I would uh, recognize most from Deathstroke. Uh, how'd they work together? Did you have a preference on one of the two? I didn't really notice there was a change in artists, I guess. Do you know which one did what? Uh, Pagulan did the Penguin stuff, um, and uh, most of Batman's fighting scenes. And then uh, March did the Harley and Selina stuff. You know, I see more of a color difference than an art style difference. I mean, there is an art style difference, but I just, I noticed the color differences more than the, like the, the, Guillermo stuff is, is, is shinier, <laughs> more latexy, and then the other stuff seems a little more muted. I mean, I thought like they work really well together. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see much of a difference either, you know. And overall, I really like the art in this issue. Like, I'm, I'm really, you know, like a big fan of it. The coloring too. The only gripe I have is with March's drawing of Catwoman. 
she there's a scene particularly when they're in uh potter's field cemetery where like harley's sitting on a tombstone with her giant mallet catwoman's standing behind her and she's got like kind of like a eon flux body going on like the cartoon so that might be like a super old reference too i remember watching that when i was a small child (laughs) that Um, that panel bothered me too like harley's face she almost looks like a weird skeleton in that one like her face shape is just really off like the art is is very nice and beautiful to the whole thing but that one panel is just really off i because i feel like i'm pretty familiar both through Gotham City Sirens and um, Deathstroke with these two artists. I think it stood out a bit more to me. I would agree it works together well. Uh, there's a complementing of each other that it goes. Um, I I did think that the colors um, for the March stuff worked a lot better for me than the colors in the Pegulean stuff just because I'm used to Jeremy Cox coloring Pegulean and he doesn't go for quite as many warm tones. He, he does it a little cooler. So the Lucius stuff just felt like really, like he was in a room that was on fire and it just felt a little <laughs> odd to me. But I mean, it was it was a beautiful comic. I, I really am a big fan of the art teams that they have on Batman right now. And I'm very excited for next month when we get Jorge Jimenez, who's one of my very favorite artists right now. Um, I think... It would be nice to have, I mean, this is possibly because I already know what was going on, that Tony Daniel was originally going to do the first two issues, and he ended up only just doing the first one. So they had to move Guillaume March forward, and that meant he didn't have time to do all the issues he originally was going to do, and so they had to add this fill-in part by Pagulan. But I I really do wish they would stop the double shipping and and just give us one art team for an arc. I think that would be nice. And I, I say this every time, but... I, I I just get that sense of chaos. I don't get the sense of stability and trust in the creative process that I, I get normally. And and it's not entirely fair. I, I've been going back and reading older comics, and there is a lot of fill-in back then um, in the 90s and, and the early 2000s. So this isn't a new problem. It's just it feels like they're creating more problems with double shipping than they need to create. Um, but all in all, like I think, like you said, they work really well together. It's not... It's not as jarring as it could be when switching between. Like, if you really are looking for it, yes, it's there. But I think the way they did it with the different types of scenes, and it just it does it did work for. Yeah, agreed. It's not like if you put like Tony Daniel next to Guillaume March, and those are just really different, Mm -hmm. different art styles. Um, we have our first glimpse of the character Punchline. Um. Do you think that the excitement for Punchline is uh, a grassroots thing? It's like fans are really, really excited. Or do you think that DC is is really pushing it? Like they're spending a lot of money to advertise this character. What's your feeling on on the Punchline phenomenon? I personally think they're just pushing it. Like I don't see any reason to be excited about this character. Like because one, if you are the type of person that would get excited about character, I feel like you already love Harley. And it's like, well, why would you be happy about a replacement for Harley? And then also there's nothing from what I've seen it for. Like, other, I don't know. Like, I don't get it. Of course, I don't really get Harley either, but at least she has a fun personality. So it's like, unless this character has something really special that's going to make her her own character, which we haven't even met her yet. So we don't know that. I don't understand how we're getting hyped up for it. I think it's more just DC pushing it 
and pretending like people are hyped about it when they're not really. That's just my opinion. Well, that's that's exactly the the reaction I was hoping to figure out. Is are people seeing similar things to me, or am I sort of imagining the hype or, or not? Um, I would say that in terms of the Harley thing, it is something that's helpful to Harley because it means she doesn't have to be um, Joker's girlfriend if he has another oh, one. It true. also gives the potential for plot lines of Harley's the one who who has a rival now. It's, it's She hasn't really had that many rivals because Joker's generally not interested in other women. Um, well, I mean, I guess he you could say. now. <laughs> he was never interested in Harley. <laughs> that, that's an excellent point. Um, I, I have always been wondering, like, it's it's always been a very one-sided quote unquote romance between Harley and Joker. So how is that going to work with with Punchline? Is she, is she also going to be one-sided, the one who's in love with him or is it going to uh-huh. be more mutual? If so, how does that work? Well, see, that's the thing is we don't know anything. Like I don't understand hype for something that we know nothing about, but maybe that's well, just me needing I to mean, know everything. Uh James Tynan has written like paragraphs and paragraphs about Punchline in his newsletter. So um, if you are subscribed to his newsletter, you know a lot about how he sees Punchline, even if we don't know what she's done yet. Yeah, he's also been active on Twitter about this, too. Like, I think, like, he's really hyping up her evil nature, you know? Like, if Harley's kind of, like, walking the line between an angel and a demon, and Punchline is, like, all all evil or something like that, I've seen from him, but... I don't know. It's interesting to me because I feel like the hype is having the ex- the opposite effect on on my opinion of the character. You know, I guess I would prefer it to happen organically. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is kind of a you know to have such like a a snowball effect of like all these people crazy about this character, and then you know we hear about like what's happening at comic shops where you know, these things are selling out. When I went to my comic shop, like there were people there before I was kind of clamoring for this issue, you know, and I have a pull list, so I'll get it anyways. But, you know, other people are talking about how the price is inflating for this issue online and things like that. Mm. And it just, I don't know. It, it just has the exact opposite effect because there's no rhyme or reason for me to like this character and what we get in here is very fleeting you know it's actually it's not my least favorite part of this issue my least favorite part is actually the deathstroke page but (laughs) it's pretty close so you know just because it's you know what does that mean you know for for this this story or these characters or anything you know other than harley and catwoman are being watched well, I mean, that's part of the whole thing that uh, Tynan's been doing throughout this entire arc of trying to keep us hyped about Joker War. Um, well, why don't you go into your, your dislike of the Deathstroke page? Because I thought that was a good part of your analysis in the review section. Um, well, I guess, like, everything else, you know, there's a beat and a momentum of what characters are doing. There's a clear, um, like, you wouldn't call it an arc for this issue, but there's there's... A goal for this issue it's trying to get these characters in this one location by the issues and and then we have you know the designers reveal and so that deathstroke page to me kind of came out of left field you know it introduced the new gadget the bat spawn you know which okay <laughs> he's got a fleet of drones but 
it feels like something was cut out of this issue or there's something missing because we just get this page. These drones are deployed. Deathstroke says show off. And then that is it. It is the weirdest segue I think I've seen in a comic book where, you know, like, yeah, Batman's taking down these assassins one by one, but then, you know, Deathstroke, we don't see him get taken down. We just, it's just kind of like a, Hey, I'm still here, you know, and then it moves on. Do you feel like you would be not complaining, but wondering what's happening to Deathstroke during this issue if this scene wasn't there? Or do you think you'd be no. just like, oh, I can wait till next week? Yeah, I probably wouldn't have. There's so much going on in this issue. That's true. I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought about it. Because who really cares about Deathstroke in this issue? <laughs> I mean, I was about to say, I care about Deathstroke, but not in this issue. <laughs> well, so. yeah. And honestly, I don't really care about Deathstroke. I care about Ravager. Um, my first thought with that scene was bat spawn. Excuse me, uh, Damien and Dick and Timothy. Those are the bat spawn. What? What is this? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, two more questions. Uh, we got a lot to discuss about this issue. Um, does this warm up to Joker War seem familiar to you? And by familiar, I mean. Death of the Family and Endgame, this is basically exactly the same thing. I didn't read either of those, so I don't know. Yeah, it it definitely does. The whole, like, hey, I gotta go visit all the family and, like, ask them and, you know, well, just pay them a visit for reasons, you know, does remind me a lot of some past arcs. You know, hopefully, what was it in Death of the family where Joker like made a wedding proposal, the back girl or something. Was that, am I remembering that right? That would remind, that would require me to actually reread death of the family. And since I hated it the first time, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of what I thought about when, you know, I I saw this, I'm like, Oh, okay. So, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me that, it's retreading. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, it all depends on how James Tynan does. So, you know, maybe he'll do it better. I don't know. I I tend to agree. Um, I'm not really excited about this because, as I've said, I don't like the Joker. But I think that it is a good idea to use him. And if you're going to use him, you got to make it special. Um, I do kind of wish that things would happen a bit more organically. So, for example, characters like Stephanie Brown and even Harley Quinn weren't created with the mind of, oh, this is going to be my new IP. And actually, uh, Bruce Timm and Paul Dini have said they wish they were more intentional about how they created Harley Quinn because the way they did it means that they don't get very much money because she was a cartoon first, and that's owned entirely by um, DC's media arm. Whereas if they'd created her in the comics first, um, mm-hmm. they would get a lot of money. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really sucks. Uh, and they're really they're they're kind of salty about it, and I think justifiably <laughs> so because Harley Quinn is an insane cash cow. So if they had actually mm-hmm. done it more intentionally in the comics first, they would be rolling in dough. Um, the. Uh, or another example would be Stephanie Brown, where she was literally just a one-off character, and she just kept coming back because she really fit into the world. So I kind of wish that 
Tynan had been like, oh yeah, let's um, let's have a hench person, and he really liked writing her, and then so he builds her up into punchline. So we sort of, as an audience, get to see her grow, but instead she sort of parachuted in as Joker's number two, and we don't get the the build up to the excitement, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so that's my my concern with this. Uh, that I mean, it's a different situation: the death of the family and Endgame. Um, they have like a conceptual similarity in terms of Joker knows and he wants to have a last battle with Batman. Um, but I, I think a lot's going to depend on that execution and we'll see because Tynan is still very much, uh, Snyder's, um, he's in the Snyder tradition, although he's got his own writer techniques and tropes that he likes to fall back on that Snyder does not. And I, I will be very curious to see how he executes this because I, I personally, as I've said, I did not like Death in the Family or Endgame very much. Um, and we'll see if all of that was because I don't like Joker or if there was an execution that can make me like this confrontation better. Well, um, hopefully it's not that identical. I mean, it's, it's yes, the setup might be the same, but my goodness, if it's just literally a retelling, ugh, like, that's uncreative, <laughs> especially so early. It's almost like getting three Spider-Man reboots in 10 years. I mean, to be fair, Tom King did just send 85 issues retelling Nightfall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. But he did it in his own way. Like, I, I don't know. Well, I guess it, it referred to itself like it was almost like a sequel because it refers to it. Whereas this, as of right now, doesn't really even acknowledge Death in the Family. I think, I mean, saying it doesn't acknowledge it is a little unfair because we've only seen these two-page yes. teasers at the end. Yes. So we'll see. I, I hope, Believe I mean, Tynan wrote backups for Death of the Family mm-hmm. and Endgame. So I'd hope that he would homage his own stuff there. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's always fun when someone gets a chance to, you know, pay off little bits that they've seeded in earlier. And we'll see. Uh, but so far, you're right. It is unconnected, and it feels like he's putting the big concept of death of the family front and center again without acknowledging, oh, yeah, we did that before. Well, hopefully at some point someone will say, wait a minute. <laughs> this seems familiar. <laughs> I hope so, too. Let's not get tricked this time. <laughs> uh, last point is that on Twitter, Tynan said that he would have a Batman movie homage in Batman number 89 because it uh, it's the same number as the Batman 89 uh, release uh-huh. year. Uh, I didn't catch it, though. I, I made the mistake of thinking that Penguin was the reference, but that was actually the 92 movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, listeners, I think we talked about this on the on the Discord, and none of us had an idea. If you have an idea of what the Batman 89 reference is, please let us know on the Discord or on Twitter. How long before the issue came out did he make that reference? Um, just a couple weeks. Because, huh. I don't know. I mean, I guess if it was further out, I would have wondered maybe if it was something that got cut, you know, to go with my whole the Deathstroke sequence was truncated theory. I've, I don't know. I think Titan also tends to be sort of a long-term planner, so a lot of stuff tends to be set up for payoff later. So I think maybe the Deathstroke scene could come back and, and be more important later um, but in terms of we are still buying an individual issue and it should be able to stand somewhat on its own. Um, so I think that's a fair criticism. There was a Batman the Animated Series reference, though, 
there was a billboard that said, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Which is the title of the first Riddler episode in Batman the Animated Series. Not related to the 89 movie, but, you know, it's it's there in the background. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cute. Um, Curse of the White Knight number seven actually had a Batman 89 reference when Batman says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> um, so if you're looking for a very obvious reference, you can get it at that series. So uh, let's get to our ratings of Batman number 89. Well, so to explain my rating, which I haven't still working, I'm still working on it. My favorite part of this whole issue, which no one even touched on, was Selena's reactions to things at the end. And one thing I loved about Tanyan's version of Selena in all this is that she still has her ties to the rogues. Like it seemed like she was fairly divorced from everything during Tom King's run. But in this one, she like she cares about Eddie. You know, she's got a decent rapport with with Harley. Like she cares about the rogue. She has an emotional connection. And even though she's fully on Batman's side, like she's not going to to to, you know deceive him or, or go behind his back or whatever, she still has an emotional connection to the rogues because they were her friends. Um, and so I just loved, like, their just interaction there at the end. It's like, he's not yelling. He's not going psychopath on her. He's just, we need to talk. You have something to tell me. And she's like, I know I'm Tali. <laughs> it's like she didn't want to tell him because it's like no one wants to tell their significant other, you know, I broke the $400 mic today while you were gone. And, you know, <laughs> not that that's ever happened to me. <laughs> but, I was about to say, that sounds very specific. <laughs> very specific. Uh, it, it wasn't broken. It was fine. But anyway, <laughs> I just, I thought it was so humanizing at the end of both of them. And even Eddie, even though he's got the crazy spine, like, like, I just really like that part. And so even I think for that alone, like I just want to give this a four out of five. Like I really like the art. I like how the story is progressing. I like the different facets. And I just love that he's taking the time to get just a moment of of human from Batman and Catwoman. And I just I love that. It made me so happy. So four out of five. That that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but that yeah, that's a that's a really good point to bring up. I was actually going to go down half a point from my review on the site, but I think I'm just going to keep it the same at three and a half. So in our discussion, because I had a lot of fun initially, but like the more you think about it, some things start to set in and you're like, hmm, maybe I didn't like this <laughs> as much as I initially thought. But no, I really do like your point. I'm going to leave my score as is. Yay. That, that's a really good point. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, uh that's why we have multiple people because if we just had one perspective, you know, we'd, we'd miss these things that get put into the comics for people's enjoyment. Um, I myself, I think it's a solid comic. I'm still sort of not sure where everything's going. And while I love the art uh, and I like James Tynan's writing on just a, a pure character level, he's always been really good at characters and that scene with Catwoman, well, all the scenes with Catwoman have really shown that, mm -hmm. but I'm realizing now just how destructive Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. was in terms of my own reaction to Batman right now. I, I'm just that that the destruction of the Bat family and the way they destroyed it really sapped 
my enthusiasm, just because I'm so invested in the Bat family and, and the inspiration that Matt Band provides to them. And when he's not inspiring them, I'm not inspired. So I'm, I'm just kind of on a low ebb in general, and I'm going to have to give this a three. It's good. It's well done. But it's not getting me excited about the next stuff. Um, that gives Batman number 89 a total um, score of 3.5 out of 5. Let's move on to Detective Comics number 1020. So, Ugly Heart, story and words by Peter J. Tumasi, pencils by Brad Walker. We open with an unknown individual digging through some old ruins to uncover some broken talon goggles, or what appear to be broken talon goggles, and laughing. Can we guess this is maybe the Joker? Who knows? We don't find out by the end of the issue. We move on to Harvey Dent, Two-Face, and we hear his inner monologues. Harvey thinking about his past and Two-Face talking about the pain he always feels while images of a bullet entering Harvey's body are shown. Two-Face flips a coin and decides to kill the DeMarco brothers, who he is currently robbing. Later, Batman investigates this crime scene, determining that the black market collector coin collections have been stolen and that it was very obviously Two-Face due to all the two-themed evidence he's left laying around. Though Batman does comment that even for Two-Face, the violence and gore are a bit overkill, noting that one of the DeMarco's brother's eyes have been gouged out of his face. He is able to determine that Harvey has been injured, shot twice. He also discovers that Two-Face has used an antique weapon in this fight. Erstwhile, Two-Face is at urgent care with a less than thrilled doctor trying to help him. Two-Face becomes enraged by the pain the doctor is causing by removing the bullet from his arm and he shoots him. Harvey becomes distressed by killing an innocent person and seemingly is confused by what is going on, but he continues removing the bullet from his arm. The doctor groans, still alive. Two-Face seems disappointed that the doctor is not dead and shoots him again, finishing the job. Batman hears about the gunshots over the police band and heads over to the clinic. At the clinic, where the Poor dead doctor is now also missing his eyeballs. Hooded men are drenching the now abandoned clinic with gasoline, planning to burn it down, leaving no evidence that he was there. But Batman stops them before they can Molotov cocktail the place down. In a fruitless attempt to question them while fighting, one of the cloaked men fires at Batman, and then the spark of his pistol sets off the gasoline-soaked room in a violent blaze. Batman rescues the men, but they still refuse to answer his probing questions. They remind each other of the oath they took to protect him. The men start screaming and then suddenly die, apparently of self-inflicted brain implosions. As you do. Batman is confused about his old friend Harvey has gotten himself into. In a secret gathering place, we see a large multitude of people taking a strange communion of coins in place of wafers and wine, all repeating the phrase, two of us. Before we see Harvey Two-Face in a black and white suit, someone reminiscent of a minister's outfit, announcing that soon Gotham will face all of us. Next month, the Church of Two Strikes. Thanks uh, for that reading. That was very well (laughs) summarized. Um... Steph has also kindly provided some excellent discussion questions. <laughs> uh, so, go for it. Why cults? Why is it always cults? This is the fourth cult that Tomasi has written, and then we had cults before this. In fact, the last Two Face story was a cult. Why is it always cults? Is this a Tomasi thing or is this a DC thing? Do you think? 
I think that um, clearly Tomasi has cults on the brain right now. I don't know <laughs> why. Um, I'm not sure if I think this would be better or worse, but maybe the big plot is that all the cults are actually the same. That um, would make sense. That it, would be an that would be an arc that that. I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It would actually tie things together, but it wouldn't make it would sense. Tie it together. Um, I DC. I mean, all all comics are going to have cults from the religion of crime to um, Hydra oh, to. This is too many. Uh, I mean, there's there's just all these different cults that give a possibility. I mean, one of the most famous Batman stories is Batman the Cult. So th- there this are is too many though. I, I completely agree it's too many, especially too soon. I mean, it's only been uh, less than a year since uh, Batman uh, Detective Comics 1000 when Tomasi take, took over full time, and in that time he's done four cults. That's... that's so many cults. That's really similar to itself. It's It's not very varied, and it's not very especially since they're not connected, it's not really providing the sense that Batman is a great superhero because he's just fighting the same thing over and over again. What do you think, Scott? Um, I don't know. I mean, I definitely think it's a Tamazi thing, you know, to back that up, that it, he's got it on the brain. Uh, this isn't saying much, but out of all the cult stories so far, this might be my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> That isn't saying much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My least favorite was that Spectre one, but um, this one, you know, I'm interested to see where it goes. I guess, you know, if it does, you don't get it right the first time. You keep trying again keep and trying. again. Maybe you'll get a, a cult right, you know. And I really, um, on that note, I didn't really care for the story, but mm-hmm. I really love the art in this one. Like, I, I. I'm a big fan of Brad Walker's and that it's the the full per, the two page spread uh, near the end where all the people are taking communion. Really loved that page. I thought that was so cool and such a such a just a great page. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just the dude's really in the cult right now. So so my my follow-up question to that is whether it's dc or tomasi do you think dc is limiting tomasi on what he can use because we because you've said right ian that he's he said he's not allowed to use selena and he's not allowed to use damien did i say that someone said that someone said he wasn't allowed to use damien i've said that dc's been very um parsimonious with letting writers work with damien but i mm-hmm. Given that he's on Detective Comics, I think if he asked to use Damien, he could get it. I don't remember where I heard that then, but it's just it's it's like she's she's not even mentioned in this book, and it's like he 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 only lives with one person now. Like Alfred's gone, so he, I don't know. I feel like Selena should be there, and and Lucius isn't even mentioned. I don't know. Like, do you feel? Do you think, from what you know, because I don't follow anyone's Twitter, do you think, from what you know, that 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 they are sort of, I don't know what the word is, but not allowing Tomasi to use things, or do you think it's his imagination that's limited right now? I mean, he's gotten to use the Joker in a one shot. He's using Two Face. Mm-hmm. He's used the Spectre. He's used. Um, he he got to create a character that had a lot of IP buzz with um the arkham knight Mm -hmm. he um 
his first Mr. Freeze. Arc. Yeah, Mr. Freeze, that's a big character. So Oh, that was that wasn't too bad. I think that I think he is allowed. I think he just I, I want to say he doesn't really have a long-term plan and he's kind of repeating himself. It, it just feels mm-hmm. kind of like spinning wheels right now, even though he is using some pretty big toys. And my second question is, how do you think this compares to the Two-Face Robinson story that we got whenever? <laughs> I've locked it from my memory for the most part, so I don't really remember. Because I liked the premise of the Robinson story better than this one. Because I remember really liking the beginning of that story. Like, it was very interesting. Like, Batman working with Two-Face, and they're up against something big, and the art was really great. And then that story just kind of fell apart completely, and the writing was not very good. I I tend to agree with you. I I found the Robinson concept interesting that... um, Two-Face wanted to protect the idea that mm-hmm. Harvey was good. So even when Harvey did something bad, Two-Face wanted to take credit so he could still be mm-hmm. two people. Uh, but as you say, the the execution was beyond terrible. I don't find Two-Face, the unhinged slaughterer of people and cult leader, very interesting at all. I think it's really boring. So I, I think even with the terribleness of the Robinson story, it it at least held me a couple issues, whereas this mm-hmm. one has lost me by the first one. What do you think, Scott? Um, I don't know. It, I guess the hard thing is I, it'll depend on how long this arc runs, I feel like. Because I, yeah, I agree that I like the intro to Robinson's story, like the first issue or two. You know, I like the whole thing with Firefly, or the fly, Fireflies, I should say. And, <laughs> you know, this idea that, like, two faces acting different you know which you know in, in this tamazi issue you know he's he, he kills that doctor and then he's and then he's like oh my god what have i done you know and so i could see that tamazi's playing with that idea again that like two faces is, is is different now you know he's going through some changes but i think again it'll just really come down to how long this goes unless next issue um impresses me or wows me in some way and like i feel like there could be potential there because something i've noticed from tamazi's run as a whole is how i feel about his run really varies issue to issue you know some issues i actually like and some issues i absolutely hate you know when he was doing his mr freeze arc there were a couple issues where i was just i was really down on him but then there were some others within the same arc where like i loved him so I don't know. I'm hoping it's just a rough start. Cause the whole, yeah, the whole thing about Harvey freaking out after he kills the doctor, like that's the only thing I think right now that's giving me hope for this story is that maybe it is something that Harvey has no control over at all. And, and maybe someone's messing with him. Like that's my only hope for this story is that it's maybe Harvey isn't the big bad in this, that there is someone else pulling Harvey's strings. It's my understanding that this is a relatively short arc, like three issues maybe. So I think it'd be really rough to see someone revealed as the bigger bad than Two-Face in just a couple of issues. Um, I don't know. It just it seems like a really rough first issue. Yeah. And my last question was, what's that first page all about? 
is that an upcoming story? Is that is that the do you think that's tying into the whole Joker arc thing? Because whoever it is is wearing purple and they're laughing, which are two Joker things to do. But I don't know why he's looking for Talon goggles. If that's what they are, that's what they look like. What are your thoughts? I really don't have any. I was mostly focused on the Two-Face stuff, and I, I guess I sort of assumed that it was Two-Face, because I think he sometimes does wear purple suits. Um, but it's quite possible that it's not, and it is a Joker War tie-in. I just... It didn't stick in my head enough reading it that I, I had that many thoughts. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I... I totally forgot about it after I read the issue. I remembered all the Two-Face stuff, but that opening left my mind so quickly and I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know what to make of it. It's just not, there's not enough clarity. Hmm. I don't think really to make something of it. I mean, if I had the guess, I probably would lean towards the tie in thing. And maybe it's like the reverse of what they did when they were teasing the whole Mr. Freeze thing for mm-hmm. however many issues that was before the arc. But yeah. Cause the text layover cool. is, is two face talking to himself. So it, it got, I, I had to look at it a couple of times to realize, oh, that's, I don't think that has anything to do with anything. <laughs> All right. So what do we want to rate this issue? Two out of five. I would give it, because of how much I enjoy the art, I would give it two and a half. I'm going to say two out of five as well. Brad Walker is good, but I've I've not been a huge fan of how he's done Batman. I, I much preferred it when he was on Aquaman. I did like that a lot. So that gives this issue, I think, uh, a two out of five uh, overall. Um, let's move on to the next section, which is uh, we have some content on the site. This week in the Batman Universe comics, we're going to have that every week uh, i'm putting together a piece with dustin every week where we tell you what comics are coming out on wednesday we've been trying to get it out at least on monday or tuesday sometimes it's a little later but it's out now and if you have any feedback on that please let us know whether it's like a regular release day because we still don't quite know if people are finding it helpful at all if there's information you want us to include in that if there's information you want us to exclude because i do have a little bit but if you don't want that you just want titles that's also fine so just leave us a comment on youtube or on twitter or send us an email which is linked in our show notes uh, we do actually have some listener feedback this time sorry to interrupt master booth ringing your phone now this needs my attention three people left comments that we're going to read out matches malone said my story is similar to Scott's. The 1989 movie pulled me in when I was six, and the animated series locked me down for the long haul. I got into comics shortly after that, and I've been off and on ever since. Maybe it's the Burton and animated series influence that explains my affinity for darker noir bat stories. I think that's a very um, good thing. I think that the noir is a, is a good influence on Batman. I think it, it leads to good stories and good aesthetic choices. Um, uh, I obviously had a different thing, but it was still a very noir-influenced uh, introduction to Batman with the uh, Bruce Wayne murderer stuff. Um, so yeah, matches Malone with a, a good response to Scott's origin story. Caspian said, 
good podcast, by the way, guys. I definitely agree with you on how Pennyworth R.I.P. was a downer, and Scott had a good point about tonal inconsistency between the flashbacks and the framing story. If Dick stays Rick for a while longer, then DC will have taken out most of the Bat Boys out of the picture, now with Damien walking out, setting up the stage for Luke Fox. Plus, Tom King's comments on how DC is making Alfred's death the catalyst for 5G stuff. Uh, Scott, any comments on how Caspian responds to the tonal inconsistency? Um, so, I mean, I guess I don't have anything to add other than what I kind of said last time, you know, but <clears throat> I, you know, I, I, that really, at the end of the day, I feel like it is kind of the biggest root of the problem with that issue, at least for me, you know, and I'm, and it's nice to know, like other people feel the same way, you know, and I, I appreciate the um, solidarity. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Admiral Wright, who is also Theo on our podcast for January, says, Curious thoughts from Steph about Potter's Field. I never made that connection. I made the connection to cities that have cemeteries for unclaimed bodies. They're typically called Potter's Fields, the premise, of course, coming from the Bible. So, well, um, go ahead. I, 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 I will hope. I hope so. But I think Tynion is a, is a, I think he's a well-read, clever enough writer that I would not put it past him to to read more into it than than just a surface definition of what a potter's field is but we'll find out indeed lena didn't die and she doesn't seem to be betraying anyone so that's all good news she even said she was gonna tell batman everything so that's a good sign a good sign but you know selena's not the only person who could betray someone that's true harley's not always the most consistent person not at all not at all all right. Well, thank you for those comments, Theo Caspian and Matches Malone. Uh, very good ones. I, I really enjoy the conversation we have on the Discord about the podcast, and I look forward to your comments on the next episode, on this episode, really. Um, if, on that note, we did have one respondent to our call for guest co-hosts and reviewers, and we would love more. So if you want, comments, give us a... Um, a note on Twitter or a direct message or anything. And we'll be happy to talk with you about opportunities to work with the site and express your love for Batman and his universe. Other people who have expressed their Batman and universe appreciation are those who have contributed either through Patreon or PayPal. And we have a list of those people to read this time. We have Gerald Green, Donald Townsend, Tim Garassi, Captain America, Karinas, Mary Garrett, Real No Deuces, Stanton's Grave, Brendan Roberts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Ed Ga- Grouse, Rob O, Ian Miller, Arturo Juarez, Stephanie Mounts, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Hannah Gar, and Johnny McCloskey. We really appreciate all your support. You help us keep this podcast on the interweb, and we'll keep doing it as long as you keep listening. Well, that wraps up our episode, Season 12, Episode 4. Um, I really appreciate my co-hosts, Steph and Scott, and we'll definitely be here in about two weeks to review next week's comics. We'll see you next time.